All right, let's jump into the message this morning. Uh, we're in part six. In fact, we're wrapping up today the series, If I Should Die Before I Wake. And uh, let me just say thank you for the many encouraging words, the emails, and the conversations I've had with people. Uh, it's been fun for me. I've enjoyed the series, and I, I think it's been good for all of us. I know it's been good for me. And thank you for your responses. Today we're going to finish with one that's a little tough. And I'm just going to tell you right now, this is a tough topic. Uh, it, it was very quiet in the last service, and I sort of expected to be that way this service as well. Because I want to talk about living pure, what it means to live pure. And I've held this one off to the end on purpose. And the reason for that is I want you to know what you can expect from God before you hear what God expects from you. The last couple of weeks in this series, I talked about living free, living in the grace that we have in Christ, and that we have his unmerited favor and grace in our lives. And, I, and, and we, this is a safe place to discover grace. We say that. That's what we teach. It's what we believe. We ooze grace around here. And I talked about that a, a few weeks ago at length. Last Sunday, I talked about living loved. And if you missed last Sunday's message, uh, I really want to encourage you to go online and watch it or pick up the CD at the information table. Because I talked about how we can live loved by the Father and how that sets us free. And I did those two in particular, spent a great deal of time and energy on those because I wanted you to know what you can expect from God before you hear what he expects from you. But the truth is, God does have expectations of us. God is good and kind and merciful and forgiving. He unconditionally loves us. But listen very carefully to me. He still has expectations. He, and they are not prerequisites. Let me be clear about this. They are not prerequisites. They're not things we have to do to earn his favor or to earn his love. And that's why I went to great lengths the last couple of weeks to deal with that. These things that God expects from us, that he wants us to do, we don't do to earn anything from him. We've got all the love from him we're ever going to have. But there's still expectations. And what God wants from us is to respond. It is a response of our lives to the love that we have from him. It is a response of our lives to the grace that we've experienced from him. But the Bible is very clear on many things. Not just the Old Testament and the Ten Commandments. The New Testament is filled with commandments, filled with directives, filled with admonishments from God. Things that he wants us to do. The Bible is clear. He expects us to be generous and sacrificial and faithfully give. That's what the Bible teaches. He expects us to be pure rather than immoral. The Bible, the New Testament, very, very clear on this issue. God doesn't want us to sleep around. He doesn't want us to have sex outside of marriage. He doesn't want us to commit adultery. The Bible's clear on these things. The Bible's clear that we're to follow our leaders and not be divisive, and that's important in the kingdom. The Bible's clear that we're to be honest, to not lie, steal, or cheat. Those are things that are absolutely, without question, taught in the Scriptures, in the New Testament. Paul wrote this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, because of that reality, because of that truth, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being, but God. Paul says, God has called you and I. He's called us to live a pure life, a holy life. And if we reject that, if we don't want to hear that, then the Bible says, the, the inspired word of God says, you're not rejecting man, you're rejecting God when you reject that truth. I'm going to ask you today to, to do something for me. And I don't know if some of you are investigating Christianity. Some of you are, are new to the faith. Some of you have been around a long time. But I'm going to ask you to open your heart, open your, your, your ears to hear. I'm going to ask you to try not to get mad. I'm going to ask you to, to not stomp out of here in disgust over anything I say. But listen to all of it. Listen to the, the, the full message today and hear my heart, and more importantly, hear God's heart. 
He wants you to live a holy life. He has good things for you. And if you reject this, that, that call, you're not rejecting me, you're rejecting him. The things I mentioned, and many, many more, are taught throughout the New Testament. And they're not negotiable. They're not up for debate. God doesn't say, well, these are some holy suggestions. These are some things that if you feel like it, why don't you try this on? Now, there are some clear teachings in the scriptures. I spoke with a young man some time ago, and uh, he said he was a Christ follower. I asked him, are you a follower of Jesus? Oh, yeah. And, and, and yet, if you were, and I'm not judging him, I'm just speaking the truth. If you were to look at his life, you would find that surprising. In fact, if you looked up party animal in the dictionary, you'd probably find his face right there next to it. Because nothing in his life indicated that he was a Christ follower. And I was pressing him a little bit, not in a self-righteous way. Man, I'm not without sin. I'm not throwing the first stone. But from the Scripture, I'm saying, how do you line up what you're doing here and here and here with what the Scripture teaches? He says, well, those requirements are antiquated. They're old. They're, they, they were for somebody else another time. They, I, don't, I don't like those requirements. It's basically what he was saying, so they don't apply to me. And it broke my heart. And, and I said to him, I asked him what I'm asking you today. Why? Why do you think God wants us to live a pure and holy life? Why does he care? Is God just some sort of party pooper? And I think that's the way he looked at it. Ah, those things, God's mean. It just, he's a party pooper. Is God just being mean and unreasonable, like some unreasonable, cruel boss or mean parent? Or is there something else perhaps going on that maybe we have not completely understood? My wife and I raised four kids. And uh, they're all grown up and gone. I've got three grandchildren. And another one, by the way, due any, any week now. And, uh, you know, with our kids, we made a decision early on that we would help them understand the why. When we asked them to do something or told them to do something, we wanted to help them understand the reason behind our request, our demand, our requirement. Part of that's because the house I grew up in, uh, if I ever asked my dad why, once I picked myself up, from getting smacked down by him, uh, he'd say, because I told you so. How many of you have heard that before? Yeah, yeah, don't raise your hands, but how many of you have said that before? Don't raise your hands. I mean, you know, I mean, because I told you so. We want to pull the authority card, and, and you know, there's, a, there's some reasonable, I'm the parent, I know better, than I'm smarter than you, just do it. But we wanted our kids to understand the why, and so even early on, we tried to, you know, even though before they were able to completely reason it all out, we tried to teach them the why. The reason for that is because I believe that when you get something, you understand the why, then there'll become an internal motivation. We wanted our kids to get the why so that they would do it for the right reason, and not just do it when dad's watching. I obeyed my dad when I was within eyesight of my dad. When he wasn't watching, I did whatever I wanted to. And I wanted our children to have an internal motivation to do the right things for the right reason, and even when we weren't watching. And so we instructed them and gave them. It took a little bit more work. It took a little bit more patience, but we'd help them understand the why. You know, some of us, we, um, we don't get the why. And in fact, some of us, we only do the right thing when we're afraid of getting caught for doing the wrong thing. I've been there. I'm not, again, judging anybody. Been there, done that. We obey, we do the right thing when we're afraid we're going to get caught and busted for doing the wrong thing. I was having uh, lunch this week with someone who will go and mention I won't because I, I don't want to throw him under the bus, but it is Bryce, our youth pastor. But anyhow, I was having lunch with Bryce, and, and uh, I, he knows I'm, I'm telling the story, but it, he was telling me about this spot on the freeway where he had his Beamer up, his little you know, 15-year-old Beamer, up to 127 miles an hour. And he said, man, you should see, it was, it was great. And he was explaining to me, and I see there's several policemen in the room, his name is Bryce Brewer. 
But he was explaining to me that there's a spot, I guess, on the freeway where because of the train, it dips that the state troopers can't get you with their gun. The only way they can pull you over is they're following you and they're right there. And, and so and I, I'm like, dude, where is that spot? <laughs> now, if I took my 11-year-old Buick at 120 miles an hour, it would explode on, you know, it would just... <laughs> but I have a motorcycle. Yeah. <laughs> and I will tell you how fast I've been on that thing. So I'm like, dude, where is that spot? And he tells me. And then I'm writing this message later on, that, a couple days later, and I'm thinking, you know what? That is so human nature, so me. I, I, I'll, I'll obey the law as, unless I, you know, can't get caught. As long as I I'll obey the law unless I can get away with it. And that's our human nature. That's the way we tend to be. And part of the problem is because we don't understand the why. I think if we get the why, here's my conviction. If we understand the why, then we'll have an internal motivation. We'll be more likely to do the what. And so I'm going to focus today not so much on the how to live a pure life or what a pure life looks like, but on why would we, we would even want to. Why? God wants us to live pure because, here's the first reason, number one, he wants to protect us. God wants us to live a holy and pure life because he wants to protect you. Guys, God is not mean. I grew up thinking he was. God is not mean. He's not a killjoy. He's not trying to make our lives miserable. In fact, just the opposite is true. As a loving and kind father, God wants to take care of you. He wants to protect you. He deeply cares about you and doesn't want to see you get hurt. I've been a Christian for 40 years. I've been a pastor for around 30 years. And I could tell you, literally tell you, a thousand stories of people that I've seen get wounded and hurt and crushed and demolished because they chose sin, because they chose not to live a pure and holy life. I could tell you a thousand stories from my own life of where I have done the same thing. And God calls us to holiness, not because he's mean, but because he cares. He wants to protect us. Can we agree for a moment that God is bigger and smarter than we are? Can I get an amen out of that? That maybe he knows a little bit more than we do. I know this much. God knows everything. I can't see a minute from now. I literally, isn't that kind of weird thing about it? I don't know what's going to happen five seconds from now. Or five seconds from now. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I don't. Not really. God sees it all. He knows it all. He experienced And his perspective, his understanding is greater and bigger and better than ours. And so when God asks us to do something, maybe it's because he sees something we don't see. Maybe it's because he understands something we don't understand. If you were to take, let's say, a three-year-old for a walk down Sprague Avenue, your child, your nephew, your grandchild, now why you'd walk down Sprague Avenue, I don't know. But let, let's say you're walking down to Chuck E. Cheese's, or as I call it, Chuck E. Hell. Let's say you're walking down the road, and you've got your three-year-old with you. You're going to hold that three-year-old's hand. They're not going to get it. What do they want to do? They want to go bolt out into the middle of the road. Look, a shiny rock. I want to go get it. They don't get it. They don't understand. They're going to tug. They're going to pull. They might even scream. They might even drop. You might have to drag them down the street. But a good parent is, realizes, I know you don't understand this three-year-old child of mine. I know you don't understand why I'm holding you close and holding you tight. But I'm doing so because I love you. I'm not mean. I don't, I hate you. It's because I want them to be spared the agony of getting crushed by a vehicle, of the suffering and getting hurt. They don't get it. They kick and they scream. And guys, the truth is, that describes us all too often. We don't get what God, why. And so we kick and we scream. We think we know better. 
We think we've got it figured out. We act arrogantly against God. And again, I've been there, done that. I own this. We say, God, I don't want to not have sex or wait to have sex until I'm married because it's too much fun to do it now. God, I, don't, I like the way I feel when I get high or get drunk. Don't tell me not to go there. God, I, I, everybody cheats in business, and if I don't, I won't be competitive. God, everybody cheats the IRS. I mean, I could go on and on. We argue. We're just like that three-year-old. Let's just own it, okay? We just, we don't want to. And I think it's because we don't understand the why. We don't see the reason. We don't see the reason why. Proverbs 14, 12 says this. There's a way which seems right to a man and appears straight. Looks good to me. There's a way that it seems right to a man and appears straight, but at the end of it is the way of death. Solomon's appealing to us. Let's acknowledge, let's understand we don't see it all. We don't get it all. And that when God asks us or to do something or tells us not to do something, it's because he loves us and cares. Here's something I've learned the hard way. Sin makes us stupid, and stupid gets us hurt. You can quote me on that one. In fact, you're taking notes, write it down. Sin makes us stupid, and stupid gets us hurt. And guys, the reason I'm inserting this in this message today called, If I Should Wake Before I Die, Live Pure, is because life's too short to live stupid. Life's too short to miss all that God has for us. Here's a radical concept. Ready? If you're a Christ follower, as Christ followers, we are expected to follow Christ. Some of you are going, that's awesome. Did you hear that? I mean, I know it's so simple. But as Christ's followers, we're expected to follow him. That means we follow in his path. We do what he asks. He's the teacher. He's the Lord. We're the disciple. We're the students. We're the learners. We're the ones who say yes to God. And that's the expectation of what it means to follow Jesus. If you're investigating Christianity, I'm so glad you're here. Keep searching. I promise you, God's searching for you, and you're going to find truth. You're going to find him. But I would be remiss. I would be in error if I didn't tell you. A huge part of that is yielding. We say yes to God. We enter into a relationship when we say yes. We stay walking with him as we say yes. We follow his way even when it doesn't make sense. We do it his way even when it's not something we want to do. We obey even when it's a little uncomfortable and maybe hard to do so. Why? Because he's mean and wants to hurt us? No. Just the opposite. Because he loves us and wants to protect us. His way leads to life. Our way leads to trouble. Matthew 7, Jesus put it this way. Enter the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But... Small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Jesus is making something very clear, and it all comes down to this. There are only two ways to choose from. In all of life, there are only two ways to choose from. We choose God's way or we choose our way. We choose God's path or we choose our path. One way leads to life. The other way leads to trouble, possible destruction, maybe even death. And it's not because God hates us. It's because he loves us. He calls us to the way of life. I was riding my motorcycle on Tuesday. It was a nice, hot day. I think the last day of summer was Tuesday. But uh, I, I wear protective gear more often than not. Uh, you won't see me in shorts and a T-shirt, you know, driving down the road. So I, I've got a coat on, and it's got it's protective gear. It's got armor in the elbows, armor in the shoulders, armor in my back. And, um, but I, it was hot, so I didn't zip it up. And so I'm driving home, and the 
jacket's flapping, and I had a button-down shirt like this one, but I didn't have a T-shirt on. So I get home, pull in my garage, and I go to get off my bike, and just, I guess because of the tension, but just as I got off my bike, I had a wasp in my shirt, stinging my belly. I hate wasps. They are certainly a part of the curse, in my opinion. I mean, there's no purpose. Honeybees, I get. I like honeybees. Wasps are evil, demonic creatures. And he's stinging me multiple times, and I finally grabbed him, and I crushed that evil thing, and I cursed him, and I put him on the ground and stomped him and crushed him with the heel of my foot. I was victor. I was, I was, I won. <laughs> but for days, I had an owie. Little, I, it, and I, I treated it with ammonia. I did all the stuff I could. I kept showing my wife, honey, look. She said, stop showing me your belly. But I got, I, it hurt me. I've got, I had stung. And you know, here's the point. And again, I'm not going to get into the how we walk a holy life. But a huge part of it is using the protective mechanism, the protect, protective stuff that God's provided. He's given us his Holy Spirit that dwells within us as Christ's followers so that we can hear him and obey him. He's given us the word, the word of God that we can follow and listen. And, and thy word, the scriptures, the old King James, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. He's given us one another, the body of Christ, church. Why do we hang out together? Why do I encourage you to get in small groups? Why do I want you to be connected? Because we, can, we encourage each other. We hold each other accountable. We're, so the Holy Spirit, the word, others, he's provided all of that protective gear, so to speak. And I had my gear on, but I wasn't fully using it. I wasn't taking full advantage of it. And if we don't take full advantage of what God's provided for us, then we're going to get stung as well. We're going to get hurt. Why does God call us to holiness? Why does he call us to his way, to live lives that are pure? Because he deeply loves us and wants to protect us. He deeply loves you and he wants to protect you. He doesn't want you to get stung. He doesn't want you to suffer because he loves you. Well, here's another reason, the last one I want to cover today. Number two, why does God call us to live a pure life? Because he wants to bless us. He wants to bless us. Not only does he want to protect you and keep you from harm, but God wants to bless you abundantly. As a good father, and he is a good father, as a good father, he wants you to know and experience every good thing that he's planned for you. As a good father, he wants you to experience every benefit of relationship with him. In our American culture, one of the things I'm aware of is that often when a pastor or somebody uses the word blessing in church, most of us tend to think of money right away. God bless me. What we mean is give me a lot of money, a lot of stuff. And that tends to be, in American culture in particular, what we equate with blessing. Not true, by the way, in most of the other parts of the world, especially in, in third world countries. They don't look at blessing that way. They see it for what truly it is more in the scriptures. It's the blessing of relationship. It is the blessing of peace that comes, the peace that goes beyond understanding, the blessing of joy, like I talked about last week. No matter what the circumstances, we can have joy. It's the blessing of discovering your God-given purpose and place and plan. And there's nothing more exciting for any human being on planet Earth than to discover what God created and made you for and to live there. That's blessing. And God wants you to know that blessing. He wants you to experience that. But when we choose our way rather than his way, we're choosing to step away from his blessing, protection, and plan for our lives. Again, we are loved unconditionally. You, nothing you could ever do to make God love you any more than he does now or any less than he does right now. Yes, we have his unmerited favor. But whether we will experience the full measure, listen carefully to me, whether you will experience the full measure of his grace and his love and his blessing in your life 
has a lot to do with your choices. He's good. He wants to bless you. It's all there. But whether we experience the full measure of that or not has a lot to do with whether we align ourselves with him. Whether we abide in him, as John 15 says. Whether we follow and choose him has a lot to do with our choices. Luke 15, there's a parable Jesus told of the prodigal son. And the prodigal son had great blessing in the house of his father. And then he said, I want to go off on my own. Give me my stuff. He did. Went off and wasted it all on wild living, the scripture says. He stepped away from the blessing he had to go his way. Now the good news is, by the way, he came back. And the great news is God always takes us back. I'll talk about that at the end today. But that's a story that illustrates. One thing it illustrates is that when we step away from the Father, we step away from the blessing he wants for us. There's a story that Jesus encountered a man in Matthew 19. It was referred to as the rich young ruler. And the rich young ruler chose to hold on to his riches rather than experience the adventure of following Jesus. I believe with all my heart the reason Jesus was sad at the departure of that rich young ruler is because Jesus saw what he could become. He saw the potential of what this man could do, of what he could experience following Jesus, and yet he chose his own way. Here's an obvious one, Judas, chosen by Jesus, but ultimately he chose his own path, his own way, and it ended in death and destruction. God wants to bless you. He wants to bless us. He wants us to experience all the peace of walking in relationship with him, all the joy of the adventure of living with him, the adventure of life with him. And he has created you for so much more than you could ever experience on your own. Are you listening? He has created you for so much more than you could ever experience on his own. But when we choose our way instead of his way, we will fall far short of his plan and his purpose for us. Here's what the Apostle Paul told a young man named Timothy in 2 Timothy 2. But God's truth stands firm like a foundation stone with this inscription. The Lord knows those who are his. And all who belong to the Lord must turn away from evil. If you belong to Jesus, turn to him. Turn away from evil. Live a pure and holy life. Verse 20, Paul uses an analogy. He says, in a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver, and some are made of wood and clay. The expensive utensils are used for special occasions, and the cheap ones for everyday use. Now listen, here's his point. Here's the application. Verse 21, if you keep yourself pure you will then be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean, and you will be ready for the master to use for every good work. And so his, his admonition, his command, verse 22, run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Flee, run, get away from it. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. And look at verse 21 again. I love it. It says, if you keep yourself pure, you'll be a special utensil for honorable use. There's an if-then clause there. If you do this, then this is what God wants to do. Now, God wants to do this, but it's in large measure up to us. What will we do? What I see here is that we choose the kind of vessel we're going to be. We choose the kind of utensil that we're going to be in the hand of God. And by keeping pure, by choosing to live a holy life, by choosing to follow him in his way, we choose to be ready to be ready for the Lord to use us in some really amazing and special ways. And that's why the scripture says run. Run from evil. Run from sin and pursue righteous living. One of my oldest and dearest friends, in fact, a man who mentored me years ago in ministry, love him dearly, 
was very successful as a pastor, as a church planner, uh, loved deeply and dearly by his people, admired by many like me. I admired him. But the day came when he had a moral failure. He committed adultery, and he lost it all. Now, I wish you'd go, I've never heard a story like that before. Now, the truth is, it's on the news all too often, and it happens too often. What breaks my heart is that today he's in sales. Now, listen carefully. Please don't misunderstand me. There's nothing wrong with being in sales. I'm not saying that sales is less holy or less, you know, impactful in in the world than than being a pastor. There's nothing wrong with being in sales, listen, unless you were made for something else. If If God made you to be a salesman, be the best salesman you can for the kingdom, honor him in your life and live for him in that way and be what Jesus wants you to be there. There's nothing wrong with that unless you were made for something else and my friend was made for something else. Now the good news is the day I believe is going to come when God's going to restore him is what God does. But I, I don't want you to miss one moment, one day, one week, one month, one year. I don't want you to miss anything that God has for you. So why not just go crazy and party hardy? Why not? Why not just Go, you know, do whatever we want. And, hey, God loves me no matter what. I've got his grace no matter what. It's unmerited favor. Great, I'm just going to go crazy. Why not live there? Why not go there? Because it will cost you. It will cost you, and you will miss all that God has for you. I, I tell you from experience, I know, as many of you do as well. Why well, live pure? Because the Father wants to protect us and wants to bless us. There's one last thing I'm going to cover before I wrap this up today. And uh, I put this statement at the bottom of the outline if you grab one of them today because I really want you to hear this as well. The task ahead of you is never more than his power behind you. The task ahead of you is never more than God's power behind you. What he's called us to, the life of purity and holiness and righteousness that he's called you to, is huge. But it's not bigger than the power that he provides, the, the, the help he provides God, when he calls us something, always provides us the ability to fulfill the call. When he commands us to do something, God always provides us the power we need, the resource we need to do what he wants us to do. I had a conversation with a guy named Ben some time ago, and he was uh, far from God and lived. He was a handsome, studly young man who, uh, let's just say he lived a pretty wild life. And I would have these conversations with him about Jesus, about becoming a Christ follower. And he would say, well, you know what? I'm just, I, I can never be good enough. Dude, you have no idea how big a screw-up I am. No, nope, I can never be good enough. And I looked him, and the last time he said that to me, I looked him in the, in the eye and I said, you know what? You're right. You can never be good enough. And he kind of looked at me like, that's not what I expected to hear from you. And then I said, because the truth has been, none of us can be good enough. None of us. God doesn't say, clean your life up on your own. You better figure this out because if not, I'm going to smoke you. God doesn't get, you know, harsh with you and mean with you. He doesn't require something of you without empowering you to do everything he's called us to do. And I told him what I'm telling you today. It comes down to this. Will you choose him? Will you choose life? Will you choose God? You choose him. That's your part. And then all of the resources of heaven are available to you. His Holy Spirit, his word, the body, everything you need. To live godly in godliness, to live in righteousness, to live the way he wants you to live is provided. We abide. We fill, find him. We, fill, we get filled up with the Spirit. We walk in that. 
And everything you need is going to be available to you to do what God's called you to do. In fact, I find great comfort in these words from the book of Hebrews, and I'm almost done. Hebrews 2.18 says this, Because Jesus was tempted as we are and suffered as we do, he understands us, and he's able to help us when we are tempted. The writer of Hebrews is making something very clear that I don't want you to miss today. Jesus understands. He walked around in an earth suit body just like you and I do. He lived in a culture that was corrupt and foul and messed up just like we do. And the writer's saying, listen, I know life is, the Hebrews, it's, I, I get this, that it's, 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 it's tough. We live in a tough world. We live in tough times. But we have a Savior who has been there, done that, experienced the struggle, though without sin. And it says because of that, he understands us and he is able to help us when we're tempted. Consistently living a holy and pure life is impossible. But the good news is, I'm not putting a period there, I'm putting a comma. It's impossible unless we have him, unless we have his help. And the good news is we do have him. We do have him. There's one more thing I want to say to you. Because some of you are sitting here today and you're thinking, man, I've messed up big time. And I, I have failed so many times, and so I, I don't know. I don't know if I can ever get back. You said that for me to experience the blessing of God and all his purpose and plans for me, that I need to stay pure. Well, I am so far off the beaten track, so far off on my own right now, I don't know if I'm ever going to get there back. I want you to hear this today, and I'm done. Listen to me. God's a redeemer. Can I get one more amen? amen. God's a redeemer. It's what he does. He takes our broken, messed up lives, and we screw them up. We go the wrong way. We do it our way. And he says, just come. Like the prodigal son, just come. Come back. Come to me and watch what I can do to restore and to renew and to redeem what was lost. That's God's business. That's what he does. And so don't leave here today hopeless. Leave here with hope. Now, no matter what, again, it comes down to well, I choose him. At some point in that story, the prodigal son realized, I am in a pigsty in a whole messy place that's far from anything I could experience, even as a slave in my father's household. And he chose to come home. You can come home. And God will always, always accept you and always redeem your life. With that in mind, let me pray for you. Bow your heads. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you this morning that you really do love us more than we can possibly imagine. And you really do have a great plan for us. And I know there's some here right now or listening online where they've been thinking about all the screw-ups, all the things they've done to make a mess of their life. Lord, would you turn their eyes to you right now? Would you remind them that you are a redeemer, that you're a restorer, that you're a renewer, that no matter what, God, when we come to you, you take our lives and you make them whole. You make us whole and holy. God, some have looked at their present or their future and they said, ah, man, I, I can never be holy. I just can't do it. Lord, would you just make it very clear to them today? That's absolutely right. They cannot do this without you. They choose, but you empower. And would you remind them of that today, that all they've got to do is yield, surrender, choose you, say yes to you, and then you will empower them. And Holy Spirit, fill them with your power, with your life. Give them, Lord, the, the insight to your scriptures, the word. Give them connections with others in the body of Christ that will help them become all that you want them to become and to experience the righteous, holy life that you've called us to. And then, Lord, make us lights in the midst of a dark world, not in a holier-than-thou way, not in a self-righteous way at all, 
but that people would look at us and see us and, and see a good, the goodness of God, see the redemptive power of God, and see the power of God that can help us to become all that God wants us to be. I'm going to ask you to keep your head bowed and your eyes closed just for a moment. Maybe you're here today and you've not yet begun your life as a Christ follower. And maybe like my friend, you thought, man, I just can never get my, my life cleaned up good enough. I'm just too messed up. Listen, you just choose him. He's already chosen you. You just choose him. You say yes to him. You surrender your life to him. And the exchange is he'll give, he gives you grace. He gives you forgiveness. He gives you new life. He gives you his Holy Spirit. He gives you what you need to become the person he wants you to become. But you have to choose. And I'm going to pray a simple prayer right now. And if you want to begin your life as a disciple of Jesus, a Christ follower, you want to surrender to him and receive from him all that he's made available to you, just make these words yours right now. You own this prayer. Father, I have failed. I have sinned. I have gone so far off on my own. And right here today, I choose you. Thank you for choosing me. I come to you acknowledging my need for Savior. And I thank you, God, for what you did by sending your son to pay for my sin on the cross, that the payment's paid in full, and that today I can walk out of here holy in my relationship with you and being made holy by your power, your spirit. And so today I choose you. I embrace the cross. I accept your grace and your mercy and forgiveness. And I thank you that in this moment right now, I'm becoming your child. Now, if that's what you want, just make that prayer yours. And as you do, that's in fact what happens. You become his child. You become a follower of Jesus. Lord, for those making that decision, choosing you, thank you that you have brought them to this place where they see they need you. Now help them, Lord, to just follow you all the days of their life and help us to walk with them. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. Usher's going to come. We're going to take our offering right now. If you've got the communication card, the tear-off tab with prayer request, or you want to give us information to, so we can connect with you, please do so. And I want to encourage you as well. Here's your opportunity to give in faith. Believe in that God, when we invest in him and invest in his kingdom, he takes even bumblebees and makes them fly. So let's give as we worship. I'll come back and wrap it up. Because of what he did, because of what he suffered and sacrificed, because of his life given for us, we can have life. We can be holy and whole. If today you begin your life as a Christ follower, back on the tables as you leave, there's some packets. It's for new Christians. Please pick one of those up. Tell somebody. Let me know. We want to walk with you and encourage you. And I want to tell you one more quick story uh, after the last service. I can do this without crying. A woman came up to me and she said, I've been coming here for about four weeks. And she was crying. And she said, I've been clean for about five months now. And she said, I haven't taken communion in 18 years. But I prayed the prayer this morning when you prayed the prayer. I said, I gave my life to Jesus. I'm his. I said, would you take communion with me? <laughs> I got my wife. I said, yeah. <laughs> She got it. Get it. If you, as you leave here today, don't leave here in self-righteousness. Don't leave here thinking you're holier than thou because I hope that so-and-so was listening because, man, they, got, they need that message today. Now, would you just leave here today with a commitment to hear, to follow, and to go live pure lives because God wants to protect you, because he wants to bless you. If you need communion, if you'd like communion this morning, it's in both sides of the room. Prayer to me be down here. But my prayer for you is go live pure this week. God bless you guys. Thanks for coming.